You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25, 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the Belmont. Down the split in time. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. My goodness. Came into the game. Wayne punched the ball with a groin injury. Didn't practice all week. But he just took it right up the gut. Through the heart of the Minnesota Viking Cubs unit. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to text the show, you can send a message to 865-658-5824. Again, that number is 865-658-5824. And it's been kind of a busy day, man. Really excited about the show. Um, obviously, you guys are going to be listening to this, I would imagine, on Saturday afternoon if you get a chance. And um, had several free agent signings, nothing major, nothing crazy, one that I am particularly uh, pretty happy about, to be honest with you. Really, really excited to uh, have Rudy Ford back in the building, so we'll talk about that here in a second. We're also going to talk about kind of the the re-signing roster, if you will, as a whole. You know, you guys may remember me and Justin uh, from uh, Packernet. He does all our graphics. He was on the show with me one day, and um, we kind of broke down the players that were set to hit free agency for the Packers. And we broke them down into tiers, into three tiers of players that we would like to see return. You know, tier one, we had four players. Tier two, we had three players. And then in tier three, we had a couple of players. And the goal there was just to kind of prioritize that list of players that we felt like needed to return to the Packers, right? And, you know, obviously everything at the at a reasonable price, right? You don't want to, you know, go haywire and just, uh, you know, go signing everyone back, especially when you have kind of a down season like they did, although injuries did play a, a major role. And, um in those results there for 2022. <clears throat> so let's just do this. Let's jump into the free agent signings. Like I said, um, we'll go to a tweet here. This actually came in from Tom Pelissero. He said, safety Rudy Ford returns to the Packers for one year up to two and a half million dollars. So it's not on Spotrack yet, so we can't see the exact detail breakdown, although two and a half million dollars, not a whole lot of leeway there, I imagine. 
that uh, there's going to be a little bit of guaranteed money, maybe some incentive there as well. I'm really happy about this signing. You guys heard me during the season. I would have been fine with them making this signing during the regular season. I felt like we've seen enough to say, hey, look, I think it's definitely worth it to bring him back. And if you bolster the safety position to the point where you don't even really need him, then, hey, put him, you know, prioritize him on special teams. But the guy was lights out, in my opinion, um, on defense. Now, there was times that he scored extremely high, according to PFF, and you could see it on tape. And then there was other times he struggled. It was up and down. But he was light years ahead of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos on the year. I um, mean, just as soon as they plugged him into the into the starting lineup and Savage got moved kind of to that slot row, things really turned around for this defense at times. And so I, I want you to imagine a full season, and, and I understand it's it's highly unlikely that nobody gets hurt on the starting defense for a significant amount of time. It just seems like every year something happens. But last year, you know, we were with, without uh, Rashawn Gary for a, a large portion of the season, right? Um, we were also without Devondre Campbell for significant time. Rudy Ford didn't step into the starting lineup until a little later in the year. So now you've got all these pieces in place going into camp. It kind of feels like this defense is going to be a little bit stronger, right? So I'm really, really excited about that. They also made another signing, which I'll hit on real quick. This came in from uh, Bill Huber on Twitter, and he said it's a one-year deal for the new Packers safety, uh, Tarvarius Moore, a veteran with elite speed. So they signed a safety from San Francisco named Tarvarius Moore. Now I looked him up. And I'll be completely honest with you guys. You know, he's been in the been in the league for uh, you know several years now. I want to say six years, if I understood correctly. I could be wrong there, but um, very quick, very speedy. One of those guys got a lot of agility, but his PFF grade was was pretty low. Uh, last year, he had his best PFF grade. I think it was right around – it was in the 60s, in the upper 60s, I believe. Um, but, unfortunately, only had like 40 snaps on the year. So, I don't want anyone to to get this expectation that, all right, we signed our, our top dog safety, right? Because I think they added a little depth. I think they added some athleticism. This is a safety that could possibly help on special teams as well. I haven't dug too much into his background as far as playing special teams, but when you talk about having those physical traits – of being a very quick twitch, um, a good 40-yard dash, things like that. They they typically kind of pan out pretty well on special teams. So that's something to keep an eye on there. We don't have the details on the contract yet. I would love to see how much they got him for, and that will really tell uh, – that, that'll that'll kind of explain his role in my opinion. You know, the fact that Rudy Ford only got $2.5 million, that really uh, – it, it, like it, if – if I hadn't watched Rudy Ford play last year and I hadn't seen how much they depended on him playing the safety position there in Green Bay, I'd see at two and a half million, I'd go, oh, it's probably just depth at the safety position. I mean, two and a half million, what a great job by Goody. Now, you guys know during the season I was saying we need to sign Rudy, right? Um, like I would, I would love to see them give him an extension. Uh, he's shown enough, and it doesn't have to break the bank but throw him some guaranteed money. I was thinking to the tune of three to four million per year. Like I was willing to give that much, and and granted, it's not a lot when you talk about Jesse Bates making sixteen million per year. But still, you know, with the with the Packers salary cap being strapped like it has been the last you know three years, uh, you, you kind of look at that from a standpoint of you know that's that's a good chunk of change. But again, he was performing on the field. The fact that they got him for a one year rental for two and a half million, kind of a prove it deal, really. You know, he's going to be as motivated as anyone to a. Uh, win that safety spot, one of those starting safety spots. Um, and, and to me, he played deep safety more than anything last year. Um, 
He's going to want to win that spot in camp, but also he's going to want to perform on the field and stay healthy so he can get another contract extension, right? He's playing for his football career. And I think you you really can't put a, a price tag on that extra motivation. Um, you know, the thing about Jesse Bates that's scary, yes, he, he played great at times in Cincinnati, but now he's got the bag. Sometimes you see those players pull off the throttle a little bit, and, and who am I to judge, right? You don't want to ruin your, your entire career with an injury once you do get paid, right? But at the same time, it's pretty crappy for someone to, to kind of let off the throttle and, and not, uh, you know, kind of play all in. And I'm not suggesting Jesse Bates will do that. It's just you've seen people like that in the past that once, once you get paid, it's a little more comfortable, right? And that's why it's so important, even you know, right now this time of the year with the with the combine that just wrapped up and all that, and those those one on one interviews, you're trying to find guys who love football. I mean, there's been so many players that's come through the league that were great football players, but they were out of the league pretty quick because they just didn't love the game. You know, I, I watched an interview the other day with Arian Foster. If you guys remember him, he was a running back. If you've seen Draft Day, he he plays a running back in Draft Day, but also he was a, a great running back there for a, a good little stretch of his NFL career. If I remember correctly, he was undrafted or he was drafted really late. And the guy was a heck of a running back. And when he retired in that interview I watched, he was just like, man, I didn't love it. I didn't love the game. So he wanted to get out. You know, those things are important. It's probably why he fell in the draft. You know, they could kind of sense that. And, you know, granted, it's not a exact science, but that's what they're trying to accomplish. One of the many things they're trying to accomplish in those interviews, for sure. So, again, we signed two safeties. Also, we signed a long snapper. I hope I'm saying the name right. His name is Matt Orzik. Um, and they gave him a three-year deal. You guys know Jack Coco is already there, so there's going to be some competition for long snapper. I kind of feel like Orzik has a little bit of the edge because it being a three-year deal. And Jack Coco now just have two years left on his contract. It would obviously be ideal if Orzik just come come out and, and absolutely dominated in camp and you've got that three-year contract. You don't have to worry about long snapper, right? Um, he, If I remember correctly, he came from the Rams. So it's obvious that somebody um, had eyes on him before. You know, you have a lot of coaches that have kind of come over from the Rams, Rams staff, you know, uh, Joe Barry and, and other guys. You probably uh, get to work with those guys a little bit from time to time and you're somewhat familiar with them. So – that's the free agent signings that I have right now. So let's do this. Let's talk about that priority list that we covered earlier in the year with Justin. And, and in tier one, let's start there. <clears throat> what we said was this was our top priority going into free agency. Of all the players that are set to hit free agency from the Packers roster, these are the players that we felt like were top priority. Number one was Keyshawn Nixon. I mean, hopefully I don't have to explain myself there. Um, you know, the guy had the – he, he was basically the best kick returner in the entire National Football League last year. Also, if you watch him on defense, he can hold his own playing corner as well. I'm wondering if they're going to put him in uh, play a little bit, a little more corner this year. However, as valuable as he is on returning kicks, man, you want to keep him healthy. The last thing you want to see is him get out there and get a stinger or break a collarbone or something, making a tackle, and now you're back to square one with your kick return game. Although I think we would all agree that whoever would return behind Keyshawn Nixon would be a better option than who was here before, seeing all the muff pumps and things like that. So uh, that just, to me, felt like Goody was trying to hang on to his third-round pick. And uh, God love Amari Rodgers. They were just putting him in a uh, spot to fail every single week. It was obvious he he wasn't, you know, cut from that cloth that you need to be, a little bit psycho to be a punt returner and a kick returner, right? Um, to have, uh, you know, 11 guys or at least 10 guys full sprint, uh, you know, just uh, full speed coming at you. Yeah, you got to be a different kind of cat 
to be willing to catch those catch those punts and those kicks and just run right into the ammo. And um, Keyshawn Nixon's built for it. You can just tell. Um, so with that being said, tier one, Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, Mason Crosby, and Randall Cobb. Those were the four players that I had in tier one. Some of you guys are going, how in the world did you have Randall Cobb in tier one? feels like a lifetime ago that we were expecting Aaron Rodgers back, right? With all the chatter that's happened on Twitter, everything that's been going on, <clears throat> the conversations. Man, I shared a couple clips today. I've just been cutting clips from the McAfee show and other things and just throwing them out there for conversation pieces. And the goal is to try to get – feedback from listeners and just Packer fans in general. I want to kind of put my finger on the pulse of Packer Nation and go, okay, how do they feel about what's being said here? And, man, it was a, com a complete mixed bag. There was a lot of good conversation there, but there was also a lot of toxicity. There were several people got blocked today uh, just because of the – you know, their approach is, if you don't agree with me, let me insult you. And it's amazing how people – they don't understand how the, why they get blocked for insulting people. <laughs> it's like we're here to talk football, right? We all want the same thing as Packer fans. We want we want to hoist that Lombardi. We want 1265 to get another world championship. And the fact that you think you understand it better than everyone else to the point where, okay, now I'm just going to take personal shots at people. It wasn't at me. It was at other people. And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't need to follow this guy. I don't need him following me. I'd rather pretend like he doesn't exist if he's willing to try to tear somebody else down just because their opinion's different from his is just crazy to me. But and then of course they they call Pat McAfee sensitive because he blocks people, but it's the same exact thing. If you watch the clip I'm talking about, Pat Pat of course is carrying the water for Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt about it. Like anybody who's watched that show, they know that Aaron Rodgers is a vital piece. Um, not the only piece. Pat McAfee show does great. You kidding me? But when Aaron Rodgers comes on the show, man, it's a boost. It's a huge boost in the ratings, right, in the viewership. Okay, so of course he's going to be nice to Aaron. He's not going to go on there and try to ridicule Aaron Rodgers or pick him apart, right? So he's going to carry the water, and he's going to try to play devil's advocate, and he's going to try to build his guy up and make this case that Gutekinds is at fault, right? And And like most things in life, um, the truth is right there in the middle. Hell, even Aaron said it a little while back, right? There's three sides to every story, my side, your side, and the truth. And, and that's 100% accurate. So, you know, of course, Rogers has done some things wrong. I think the front office did some things wrong, but that's life. People make mistakes, right? So um, to sit here and pretend like, I mean, think of your best friend. Think of the person uh, the guy or the gal that you've got their back no matter what. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a sibling, you know, and somebody comes at them. Of course, you're going to defend them, right? I'm the type of guy that, you know, I'm going to be mad at you afterwards, but I'm going to take a I'm going to take a butt kicking with you, even if you're in the wrong. If you're a friend, if you're family, that's just the way it is with me. All right. Let's go over here and let's scrap it out. Let's get this over with. And then when it's done, I'm going to look you in the eye and go, you're an idiot for putting us in that position. But still, that's my boy, right? That's my that's my brother. That's my sister. That's how Pat sees Aaron. So, of course, he's going to defend him. And what I'm getting at is, like, if, if you know that's the case going in, why are you even watching? Like, there's so many people it upsets every single time, but they continue to watch. And I'm just blown away by it. I, it's like when Aaron goes to the Jets, if my Packers timeline next year is filled with people complaining about Aaron Rodgers being on the Pat McAfee show, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> Because it's like you have no incentive, no reason to even want to watch now. Now you're just doing it 
to try to get clicks and complain, right? So, um, man, just such a crazy situation. But we got on that little rant, that little tangent, because Randall Cobb's name got thrown up. To the best of my, <clears throat> my knowledge, I don't believe the Jets have offered Randall Cobb anything. You understand, too, their receiving core is pretty stout. You know, I mean, they got Garrett Wilson. They got Corey Davis, and I don't know the whole roster, and this isn't a Jets podcast, but I'm just kind of putting into perspective why I don't think it's a slam dunk that Cobb goes to the Jets. Um, Corey Davis, you've got uh, Garrett Wilson. Now you have Alan Lazard making $11, $11 million a year, right? And and it's like, okay, so you're going to add in a fourth a fourth wide receiver there knowing the roster's full, but you're going to add someone else, and is Cobb willing to take less money to go there? Who knows what Cobb's market is? When Cobb was on the field last year, I thought he was stout. Um, wouldn't it be crazy? Think about this. Wouldn't it be nuts if Aaron does go to the Jets and Randall Cobb ends up back with the Packers? Some of you guys are going, there ain't no way that's happened. I'm with you. But I'm just sitting here kind of drawing out all these different scenarios, and I'm like, man, that would be wild. I just can't see it. I can't. Although, you know, Matt LaFleur is – Bragged on Randall Cobb over and over and over. Um, still, I just can't see it. But anyway, so Rudy Ford under contract now. Keyshawn Nixon under contract now. Mason Crosby says he's playing. He plans on playing. Like, he's ready to go. He's put plenty of uh, social media and video out there showing that he's ready to go and his legs as strong as ever. And you know, uh, you know, like uh, I believe it was it was either no, it was Rich Passaccia I think that mentioned it last year. One of the coaches might have been Lafleur. I can't remember. They mentioned that. Uh, might have been Goody. Hell, uh, anyway, they mentioned that Mason Crosby's leg, his his uh, leg strength took a little bit of a hit last year because of you know kind of rehabbing and coming off of surgery in the offseason. So they think he's going to be as healthy as ever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he returns to uh, the Packers. Right. So he's planning on playing. Keep your eye on that. You haven't seen a whole lot of kickers flying off the board as far as free agency goes. I think that's still in play. Randall Cobb is a long shot. Probably going to leave for the Jets if he works out something with Aaron. I, sometimes I wonder if things happen under the table, and I know players could get in trouble for could trouble with that. But I could see it being something like Randall going to Aaron and being like, "Hey, this team offered me three million, and Aaron being like, "All right, dude, just yeah, take the two and a half, and I'll give you seven hundred k." Like I've always wondered, do things like that happen behind the scenes? And some of you guys are going, "They're not allowed to do that." Guys, stop being so naive. Here in the real world, things like that happen all the time. Your government does it in front of your face every day. It's just people tend to not care, but that's a topic for a different pod. Um, so those are the top-tier priorities uh, re-signings, right? We've got two of the four so far. I wouldn't be surprised if Mason signs. I'd say we'll probably miss out on Cobb. So let's move on to Tier 2 priority. Tier 2 priority, I had Yash Nijman. Obviously, the Packers put a second-round tender on him, so we checked that one off the box. We got it. You guys know – I wasn't a huge fan of the four and a half million. I think the number I had on Yash was around three million. I'm not going to sit here and piss and moan over, a, 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 you know, one and a half million, one point two million, whatever it was over what I kind of felt like I would be willing to offer. Um, the Packers seen it as value and they took it right. Now they've got a second round tender on him, meaning he, he will get paid, I believe, right around four and a half million dollars on the year, unless a team signs him. And if they do, then we get their second round pick. So, obviously, there isn't anybody who's going to be trading a second-round pick for Yash Nijman. As soon as I say that, somebody will do it. And I, I just don't I don't see that being a chance at all. So, Yash Nijman is one of the three players we had in Tier 2 priority. He's back with the Packers. The next one is Mercedes Lewis. 
you know, a lot of people believe that it was a slam dunk. Mercedes Lewis was going to go to the Jets. To me, that seems like that's cooled off a bit, right? And maybe this stuff is cooled off a bit because of the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. You know, I I can't sit here and tell you, yeah, he's going to play for the Jets. I feel really confident telling you he's not going to play for the Packers. I think that bridge has already been crossed, right? And not just burned, but bombed and buried and – it's it's done. You know, he'll, he'll never play for the Packers again. I really, really strongly believe that. Um, but people are going, well, what about Alan Lazard? That's just a that's just a mess up on the signing. No, it ain't. Nathaniel Hackett wanted Alan Lazard. Now, did Aaron Rodgers play a role in that? Absolutely. He did a huge role in it. But to sit here and pretend like Nathaniel Hackett wouldn't want Alan Lazard back. That's just that's silly. I mean, he was he was vital to. Um, Green Bay as a safety blanket, not just last year, but the year before um, when it came to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nathaniel Hackett's last year here in Green Bay. Um, he was with Nathaniel Hackett in Jacksonville, if I remember correctly. So they're very, very familiar with each other, right? And, you know, you heard Aaron say, I didn't make a, any demands. They asked me about players, and I, is there anybody that, that you think we should look into if you, you do plan on playing for us? Of course I want Alan Lazard on my team. That's what he said. Right. So take that out as you as you may. Um, we'll see what happens there. But Mercedes Lewis has got multiple teams that are interested in him. OK, so I heard the Raiders. I heard the Jets. There was another team, too, that there was rumors. I don't know if it got substantiated or not. But, uh, yeah, Mercedes Lewis, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back to the Packers. I don't know what the number is, you know, but um, I'd be eager to to have him back in a heartbeat. And we're going to break down the roster here in a second real quick and kind of talk about the remaining holes on the roster. But uh, Mercedes Lewis kind of plays a little bit of a role there, but we're going to lay it out for you and, and kind of let you know what the tight end position looks like now. Uh, number three on that Tier 2 priority list was Jaron Reed, defensive lineman Jaron Reed. He's signed in Seattle, so he's gone. Okay, so you miss out on Jaron Reed. You re-sign Yash Nijman, and Mercedes Lewis is still on the market. Now, only at the right price, I had two players listed. Only at the right price, Alan Lazard, and the cat the the ceiling I put on Alan Lazard was six million. His fair market value going in, they predicted, Spotrac predicted it would be eleven point one million. They absolutely crushed it. He got a three year deal worth thirty three million, or no, a four year deal worth forty four million, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure it was a four year deal, basically a two year deal when you look at the guaranteed money. But again, technically it was a four year deal. But again, eleven million per year. Spotrac nailed it. Absolutely love the quality of uh, the website of Spotrac. So uh, obviously, Alan Lazard is now with the Jets, and then you have Bob Tunyon, who just signed with the Chicago Bears. I had him at only the right price. Now, I'm kind of eager to see what Bob Tunyon signed for, but I'm also kind of dreading it because if he gets signed for two million or something like that, I'm going to be like, "Come on, Packers, we couldn't get him back in the building." It's obvious that that he 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 didn't have this crazy interest in following Aaron Rodgers to New York. And I think that list is more along the lines of what Aaron explained, of it being a wish list rather than demands because these guys aren't – I mean, if it was a demand list and they're willing to give up draft compensation to bring Aaron to New York, you, you think Mercedes would have been signed, you think Randall would already be on the roster, all these things. But also, this whole trade is getting hung up, and this thing may carry out for a while. It really might. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. So that's how we had the tiers. Again, uh, tier one, we're pretty close to uh, to batting, uh, you know, 750 there. Um, tier two, we got one 
of the three, and Mercedes Lewis is still out there. And then, of course, only at the right price. Those guys have already signed, obviously, for more than what we thought it would be worth. Now, another name I want to mention is Adrian Amos. And the reason I want to mention Adrian Amos is because he's still on the market, right? Now, you've seen the tweets. Russell Douglas has hinted at at uh, the Packers signing him, basically saying, hey, the last I checked, Adrian Amos was still on the market, like throwing that hint out there, like, and he, I think he did the eyeball emoji or, or the looking glass emoji, right? So he's like kind of hinting at, you know, I think Adrian Amos might end up back here. Um, and of course, Russell just restructured his deal. I think they freed up something like two or three million dollars in 2023. Um, not that that has anything to do with Adrian Amos, but um, it's just he's he's been kind of active on social media as far as trying to get Amos back to the Packers. Now, most safety spots are are already filled across the league. What does that mean? That means that the value is driven down now. You guys heard me say it was going to be a hot safety market. That's exactly what it was. Safeties flew off the uh, the register in free agency. You had Jesse Bates the third signing for sixteen million per. Von Bell seven and a half million per. Juan Thornhill seven million per. Donovan Wilson seven million per. Uh, Jimmy Ward six and a half million. Jordan Poyer six point two million. Uh, Julian Love six million. Uh, Julian Love actually made more than his market value. If you guys remember, PFF had it projected at like four million, so he got uh, about uh, one and a half to two million more than what the market projected. You have Marcus Epps at six million, Andrew Wingard at three point two, Jabril Pepper stays in New England at four point five, uh, Demonte uh, Kazi, I think is how you say his name, uh, three million per, Mike Edwards three million per, Rudy Ford two point five million per, and then Geno Stone one point seven million. So why do I mention all that? Oh, also, it's got, you know, uh, Tarvarius Moore. The numbers aren't listed yet. And then Deshaun Elliott uh, signed. He played in Detroit last year. He signed with Miami this year. Now, why do I mention that? Because most of those safety spots are full across the league now. There's very few teams right now that are going, all right, we need to start safety. Not at this stage. Those guys have already flown off, which means Adrian Amos is in the visit stage. Like Michael Lombardi said, once you get to the visit stage where players are visiting teams now, you're basically begging. That's essentially what that is. You know, once you're visiting, you're kind of off of their radar, right? doesn't mean a team won't sign you for the right price, but when you hit that, the the key players in free agency, the key the key guys that are going to go quick are those, I mean, they're going to go quick. It's not going to require a visit. It's teams calling them going, we'll give you this, sign with us, Right. It's like the ultimate recruiting pitch. We don't need to see you run or anything. Let's just let's just go. Um, so with Adrian Amos, you know, Rasul's kind of hinted at it. Not that that's you know a sign that he would sign with the Packers, but it's mainly because those mo- most of those safety spots are filled. You know, could you sign him to four and a half million? Well, let's look at the players that came off the board here. When I say four and a half million, I mean four and a half million per. You know, Marcus Epps went for six, right? And you got Andrew Wingard at 3.2. Jabril Peppers is four and a half million. Is Adrian Amos in the ballpark of Jabril Peppers? Some people would argue that Jabril Peppers being younger at 27 years old and being more athletic as far as RAS goes, more versatile as far as special teams goes. At one point, Jabril was a kick returner, if I remember correctly. And I don't I don't think Bill Belichick's using him for that in New England. But some I could see the argument that. Adrian Amos is, uh, isn't is worth as much as uh, Jabril Peppers at this stage, especially with how Amos played last year. So could you get him at $4.5 If you can get Adrian Amos at $4.5 I'm jumping all over it. Absolutely jumping all over it. You know, his fair market value going in 
to this free agency was $6.9 million per. If you get him at $4.5 million, that's a steal. Now, if you were to sign him, what does your safety room look like now? You've got your returning safeties. Savage can continue to play the slot. Oh, by the way, you've got Eric Stokes healthy now. You guys know I've been one that's been very vocal. Eric Stokes has not panned out to be a first-round pick. He really struggled last year. I mean, before he got hurt, he struggled. When he left the team on injured reserve, the secondary seemed to get a little bit better. Now, I'm not putting that all on Eric Stokes, but the facts are the facts. Things got a little less shaky back there. Um, so, you know, if you bring Amos back, you've got the same safeties back there. Now you got Rudy Ford for the full year, and you don't have Darnell Savage back there playing. You put him in the slot. There's also rumors that Savage could be traded. We all know that his first-round tender will travel with – or his uh, fifth-year option will travel with him if he's traded, meaning if the Packers were to trade him and say, you know what, we drafted him in the first round, he hasn't been worth it, we'll take a fourth-round pick for it, and you guys take all the cap hit, bang, we free up $8 million in salary cap relief right there. That would be pretty impressive. But right now, I don't know if you feel comfortable enough with the safeties that are on the roster. So let's just jump right in. I just wanted to mention Adrian Amos for just a second to kind of give you guys an idea. Let's look at the roster now. We're going to break this down position by position real quick, and then we're going to get you guys out of here. Um, so essentially, this is what the roster looks like. We're going to start with quarterback. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is still on the roster, but he's as good as gone. He's either going to be traded or retire, right? Um, you got Jordan Love is going to be your starting quarterback. Danny Etling, as of right now, is the backup quarterback. I like Danny Etling as the backup quarterback. Him, him and Jordan Love are very familiar with each other. You guys know the backup quarterback role is basically the personal assistant to the to the starting quarterback. A lot of people are saying, let's bring in a veteran backup. And I'm not saying I'm totally against that. But when you talk about bringing in someone that Jordan Love has nothing in common with, knows nothing about, they, they haven't, you know, Jordan Love has basically been showing Danny Etling how to be a backup quarterback firsthand. As much as people like to talk about Jordan Love watching Aaron Rodgers play the quarterback position. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's preparing him to be QB1. Danny Etling is watching Jordan Love be QB2 and being trained in that regard as well. If you guys ever get a chance, dig into that. I'm sure there's plenty of articles out there, maybe even videos on YouTube. Like, what, what is the backup quarterback's role? Like, you know, a day in the life of a backup quarterback. I guarantee you somebody's wrote an article about that. It's fascinating because they are all about just uh, doing anything and everything to help QB1 be a better QB1 on game day. And it's really, really cool. Um, I like that aspect of the backup role. But for me, Danny Etling should be the guy. You still want to bring in camp arms, right? If Kurt Ben Kurt wants to come back, I'd love to see him back in camp. There's going to be a lot of people that get cut here pretty soon, I think, as free agency wraps up. Some people will be cut loose unless it's something they're going to be competing for a, a position. But essentially, what you've got is the base of your roster already built, and then when you finish free agency, you might trim a little bit of the fat off, although you do want to still have that. I believe it's a 90-man roster going into camp, so you want to have enough for that. But there may be another quarterback or two signed, and, and who knows, they may land a, a, a solid veteran backup quarterback for a really cheap price, and that bumps Danny Etling back down to the practice squad. That could happen, assuming that Danny Etling does have practice squad eligibility. So let's go to halfback. Um, and what I, the whole purpose of this, guys, is to, to see are there any holes to fill, right? Is there, there, there's holes on every position. Like you want to get better at every single position, but which one are like the glaring needs? And to me, that's going to kind of lay out the draft process, especially as free agency gets a little bit deeper here. Once we find out exactly what Aaron Rodgers' cap hit's going to be, whether he's traded, cut, or whatever, um, that we're going to have a little bit better idea of how much money there is to actually spend. Right now, I'm leaning towards it's going to be a $40 million cap hit because you got to you got to tack on the accelerants. I already went on my rant in the last podcast about how I think it was completely mishandled to the point where we literally bought high, we're selling low, and we're absorbing a huge cap hit. I think it was handled horrifically, but it is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand uh, building a football roster better than the Packers front office. Um, at halfback, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Phillip Taylor, and Tyler Goodson. To me, the halfback room is set. However, if a halfback falls, that's a tier or two above where the Packers are picking, A.J. Dillon's up for a contract next year. So, you know, you draft his replacement much like you drafted A.J. Dillon to be Jamal Williams' replacement. I know people don't want to hear that. Um, I would love for A.J. Dillon to re-sign, and I think if there was ever a Packer that would be willing to take less than what he's worth on the market, it would be A.J. Dillon. I don't want him to do that simply because every player deserves every dollar they've ever earned, right? If he can get more somewhere else, man, go get your money. But it would be really cool if you get A.J. Dillon back on a on a uh, somewhat of a deal. But if a halfback falls, you know, to the Packers in this draft and they look to be a, a you know, a stud, then that halfback can start off as, uh, as halfback number three, either Taylor or Goodson gets bumped. I imagine it would be, I imagine it would be Goodson because Taylor's a, a much better in pass protection, but you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out again though. I think halfback though, there's no glaring holes there, obviously with uh, Aaron Jones making all that money and AJ Dillon being a, a very good backup change of pace, bruising top back, a great little thunder and lightning combination there. So, 
Um, let's move to wide receiver. Wide receiver, you've got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre, Jeff Cotton, and Bo Melton. Okay. Um, some of you guys are going, who? <laughs> On the back half. I get it. This is how I see Christian Watson. Um, to me, Christian Watson is a number two receiver right now. And within the first couple weeks of the season, he may hands down 100% convince everybody that I'm the number one receiver on this roster. I hope that happens. But going into the offseason, I'm kind of treating it like, all right, if we get an opportunity, whether it's through the draft or through signing a cheap free agent to get a borderline number one wide receiver. When I say number one wide receiver, I'm not talking about superstars like Tyreek Hill and players. I'm talking about a receiver of a caliber that our team believes, that our front office believes, will hands down be the best wide receiver on our roster. You know, that whole number one wide receiver is relative to the team they're on, unless you're talking, you know, uh, comparing rosters with other teams. So if there is a wide receiver out there that you could sign that uh, that might come in cheap, right, that when I say cheap, I mean reasonable. You know, we were talking about Alan Lazard. We, we put that number of $6 million on him, right? Um, maybe there's something there. Maybe there isn't. Let's see who's available real quick. Let's just take a quick gander. You got Kenny Galladay, Adam Thielen, Robbie Anderson, Nelson Aguilar, DJ Shark, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones, Byron Pringle. Every time I see the name Pringle, I get hungry, man. Ain't nothing better than a can of Pringles. Jarvis Landry, Cam Sims, Nikhil Harry. Um, can't say that guy's name. Isaiah McKenzie, Mac, Mac Hollins, on and on. Oh, look, there's Sammy Watkins. You guys want Sammy Watkins? Mr. Run the Wrong Route and Fall Down 60% of the time. Boy, it's funny hearing Dusty Evely talk about that the other day. Um, so, with that being said, let's talk about the top five. Kenny Galladay, Adam Thielen, Robbie Anderson, Nelson Aguilar, and DJ Shark. Let's throw Randall Cobb in there too, right? What would you be willing to pay one of those five guys? Now, in my opinion, Randall Cobb would not be a number one receiver. I don't think he's better than Christian Watson right now. I think he's definitely better than Romeo Dobbs if he plays at the level he played last year. Okay, DJ Shark's only 26 years old. Nelson Aguilar's 29. Robbie Anderson's 29. Adam Thielen's 32. Kenny Galladay's 29. I don't like Robbie Anderson for attitude reasons, um, but when it comes to uh, these receivers, really the one that grabs my attention is DJ Shark, um, probably Adam Thielen, and Randall Cobb. And I say Adam Thielen because – I think Adam Thielen overall would be a better wide receiver than Christian Watson. Totally different type of wide receiver. But he could play kind of that Cobb role from last year, right? And your team's going to get a little bit better. I know this. Adam Thielen's definitely better than Bo Melton, Jeff Cotton, and Samori Torre right now. He's probably better than Romeo Dobbs as well. So if you think Christian Watson is a number one receiver, Adam Thielen can be your number two. I'm not a huge fan, though. I'm not. I'll be honest with you. This is the rankings that's listed here according to Spotrack. Um, I could, you know, two, three million dollars a year, Adam Thielen would be worth it. But anything more than that, I'm not willing to do. The guy that's most familiar, and you actually seen Randall Cobb catch passes from Jordan Love. Randall Cobb is the one that sticks out to me. It's just what would it cost to get him and pry him away from the New York Jets? And will he come here knowing that Aaron, one of his best friends, has got such a a bad standing with the organization right now. DJ Shark makes the most sense. Would you be willing to pay DJ Shark five million per, you know, four million per, six million per, whatever the number is? That's the question. But I do feel like there is a hole there at wide receiver that we can fill and make the roster better. I think many people on Twitter would agree. Although 
we are somewhat strapped for cash when this cap hit hits when we trade Aaron Rodgers. Right now we're sitting at $25.4 million, and that doesn't include um, the couple signings we made. So if I had to guess, I'd say we're sitting at about $20 million right now. Could you afford $5 million per? Absolutely, you could. Absolutely, you could. If you want to prioritize getting him another receiver. Now, are you looking at the draft and going, man, we really like these three guys, and we have a, we're very, very confident one of these three will be available at number 15 for us. That's a whole different ballgame, right? You, what if you were to add in a Jackson Smith Nijba? I say Nijba, Njigba, Njigba. I'm trying to train myself here. What if you added Njigba into the roster? If Goose is listening to this podcast, he's going crazy right now. He would love that. <laughs> Christian Watson be your number one. Uh, your number one. Um, uh, Njigba be your number two. Romeo Dobbs be your number three. Samori Torre be your number four. Let Cotton, Melton, and anybody else you might sign off the scrap heap battle for five. Right, maybe you carry six. Who knows? Um, but that's uh, it's kind of very interesting to see how that receiver uh, position is going to take place or, or play out. But again, we do have spot for one. Now let's go to tight end. Uh, we got Josiah Aguara, Tyler Davis is back. You've got Austin Allen and Nick uh, Gujimus. I think is how you say his name. I I personally believe that we don't have a number one tight end. That Josiah Aguara isn't that number one tight end. Um, I think he's a solid two and an H back, but we need someone to attach, whether that comes through the draft or free agency. Um, we need a solid number one and we need a number four, right? So if we need a, a number one and a number four, we need to be a little bit aggressive. Now, it just so happens that um, the draft kind of plays into our hand here, right? You guys heard me say I felt like the tight end market was going to be cold. It has been. You got Hayden Hurst getting less than he was projected at 7.2, Josh Oliver at seven, Chris uh, Manhurts at $3 million per, Jordan Atkins at two point six. Mike Gusecki gets $4.5 million, guys. He signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots for $4.5 million. You guys remember the number? It was, it was like 10. It was like it was either 8 or $10 million. He got half of what he was expecting. Uh, Donald Parham at $1.3 million. Uh, Eric Saubert at $1.6 million. Bob Tunyon just signed with the Bears. There's no details yet according to Spotrack. So on the market still is Dalton Schultz. He's 26 years old. Now, what sucks for Dalton Schultz is that first wave has already ended. His value is down now. He probably got a decent offer the first week. We didn't hear about it. He didn't take it because he thought he could make closer to that, you know, 11 to 14 million that he was projected, whatever the number was. And now he's got a backup punt. Now, Cameron Brake got cut, got cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You still got Austin Hooper, uh, Jeff Swain. Of all these players, here's Mercedes Lewis sitting here. Of all these players, when I'm looking at this roster, I'm going, you know what? Mercedes Lewis isn't a number one tight end. But if you popped him in and slid Tyler Davis down on the depth chart, and now you've got Josiah DeGuara, Mercedes Lewis, or Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara, um, and Tyler Davis, and you still just need a number one, you go out and draft one, that would be pretty cool, right? Now, do you go after Dalton Schultz? What do you give him? If his projected was somewhere around $11 million, and now we got something to compare, and this is exactly how front offices uh, comparatively speak to these uh, these players that are in free agency. Mike Gusecki got half of what he was asking. So what if you went to Dalton Schultz and said, man, I know you were expecting $11 million. We'll give you five. He comes back at six, sign the deal. Give him a four-year deal. It's really just a two-year deal with the guarantees. You can get out of it in a couple years if it don't work out. Now you've got a solid number one tight end. I'm not suggesting that he's a great tight end, but he's definitely a number one tight end. Relatively speaking, 
to our roster, meaning he would be the best tight end on our roster right out of the gate. Now, the question is, does Dalton Schultz fit the scheme? I don't know. I, I, I haven't dug that much into Dalton Schultz. But you've also got a tight end heavy draft, right? So imagine this. If you took a weakness and turned it into a strength, what if you signed Dalton Schultz to $5 million per? Give him a four-year deal. You got your number one tight end. Josiah DeGuara and Tyler Davis slide down to three and four, or Josiah DeGuara stays at two. You slide Tyler Davis down to four. You draft one of these tight ends in the second or third round, how we projected they may fall, and uh, and the Packers could trade up in the second round to still get a stud tight end in this draft because it's so deep, and put him into that number three spot and let him start to grow and mature into that role. Who knows? He may come out of camp. He's picking up on the offense. He's doing great blocking, all three facets, blocking, catching, um, everything, right? Um, then he may, you know, project himself into that 12 personnel as an attached tight end when you want to go to those ace looks. That could happen, right? Um, especially with Josiah DeGuara coming up for a contract next year, too. I mean, it really all options are on the table. But the point I want to make is we're looking for two tight ends, in my opinion. I don't think Austin Allen and Nick uh, Gujimis are set to make the roster, but I also said that about Tyler Davis last year and what happened. He made the roster. And what happened? Our tight ends underperformed immensely. Not because of Tyler Davis. It just shows that they really didn't put uh, put tight end, the position of tight end, very high on their priority list. Okay, so two tight ends. Um, when it comes to offensive line, I shouldn't even list them off, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, David Bakhtiari, Yash Nijman, those are your two tackles. Zach Tom's your swing tackle. You've got Caleb Jones, Rashid Walker, Luke Tenuta, uh, Sean Ryan, uh, Gene DeLance, or John DeLance, however you say his name. Um, you're pretty well set at tackle, but it's an elite position, and David Bakhtiari is getting older. If one falls to you at number 15 and he's the best on the board, you take him. That's the way that works, in my opinion. Let's go to guard. you got Elton Jenkins, John Runyon. Fairly stout at the guard position, in my opinion. Royce Newman, Jake Hansen are your backups as it sits right now. Um, center, Josh Myers. <sighs> it's so tough, man. Josh Myers has got all the potential in the world. That dude's a hoss. He's a physical freak. He's got everything you want physically to be just this, this huge, this rare oversized center that can move and get to the second level. When you pull and pin and or pin and pull and all those different, you know, uh, ways that you want to run, even when you run zone or you run duo and he's getting to the next level and he's chasing down these safeties. We showed you him in, uh, in preseason last year, one of my favorite chalk talk segments where he absolutely annihilated the DB, right? Um, he's got all the physical tools, but he's got to put it together. He is underperformed. There's no doubt about it. For a second-round pick, you know, he, he's he's just underperformed. There's no other way to explain it. Hopefully he steps up. But if you can get someone that you feel like is a tier or two higher than where you're currently drafted in the second round and a center pops on the scene, or you get a free agent center that you go, hey, look, man, he's only 26 years old, and we feel like he's an upgrade from Josh Myers, and you do it, Right. That's the only position on the offensive line outside of the fact that, you know, when it comes to tackle, it is an elite position on offense. Quarterback and left tackle is huge. So if you got one of those falling in your lap, take them. But right now, I don't have anybody listed on offensive line as far as we definitely need a player there. Okay, let's move on. Uh, special teams, and then we'll go to defense. I just got special teams on the page with the offense. We'll hit it real quick. The only thing that comes up to me is kicker. Is Mason Crosby coming back or not? You got Parker White, um, who is the current kicker on the roster, but – Maybe you go out there and try to find a better kicker. Maybe you try to bring Mason Crosby back. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick, and we will see who the best kickers are in free agency right now. Uh, Matt Gay already signed with the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Prater signed with Arizona back there. Greg Zerline signed back with the Jets. 
Greg Joseph signed back with the Vikings. So the top free agent available right now is Mason Crosby. What did those guys sign for? Glad you asked. Matt Gay signed for $5.6 million per year. Matt Prater signed for $3.7 million per year. Uh, Zerline signed for two point six. Joseph signed for two. What I would do, I'd go to Mason and say, here's your $2 million plus incentives. See if he takes it. Couldn't hurt, right? Next on the list is Robbie Gould, Randy Bullock, Brett Maher, um, Chase McLaughlin, uh, Eddie Pinero, uh, Quinn, Quinn Nordeen, and uh, Riley Patterson. So just some names to kind of keep there. But we got to get us a kicker if Parker – and that Rich Bisaccia may like Parker White. I don't – I kind of don't get the vibe with that, but it doesn't mean I'm I'm accurate there. So I think you got to go out and get a kicker. All right, let's move on to defense. Defensive line, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, uh, TJ Slayton, Jonathan Ford, and Chris Slayton. To me, you need a number three defensive lineman. You lost Jaron Reed. You lost Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry signed um, in Minnesota today. And then, of course, you've got uh, um, Jaron Reed signed with the C- uh, back with the Seattle Seahawks. It's funny. He went went right back to Seattle. He came to Green Bay, showed he could still play, and then went back to Seattle. Um, kind of a one-year rental there for the Packers. So, for me, you need a number three defensive lineman. You know, T.J. Slayton, I get it, he's a huge body and a big nose tackle and all that, but I, I want I want somebody when we do rarely come out in that 34 or we need somebody to kind of rotate in for those big fellas uh, interior-wise, I want somebody better than T.J. Slayton as that number, thir- that number three uh, defensive lineman, so I could see that being a hole. Let's go to edge. Rashawn Gary is going to start the season on IR. There's no getting around that, right? So your starting edge defenders for probably half of the season is going to be Preston Smith and Kingsley and Ibarre. They call him JJ. I'm going to call him Kingsley. Um, you got Jonathan Garvin and uh, Ladarius Hamilton backing those guys up. So you've got a full roster as far as a 53-man roster, 51, however you want to word it, you know, for, whatever the uh, – what is it, 45 or 48 that's active on, on game day. you got Preston Smith, Kingsley and Barre, Jonathan Garvin, and, and Ladarius Hamilton. But, again, edge is an elite position. It's the only elite position on defense, in my opinion. On offense, you got quarterback and left tackle. That's why if, if a player falls to you at that position, you jump on it in the draft. Right. And you're always looking to grab more value in free agency when it comes to that. The same thing applies when it comes to an edge defender. Um, If there's somebody there and it's the best on the board, you take them. You can't have too many edge defenders. That's why Lucas Van Ness keeps popping up to me when I'm going through and looking at the draft board and going, when we pick who would be available and who would be the best, who matches the RAS, uh, you know, uh, threshold for the Packers. You guys know within the first and second round for so many years now, they haven't drafted anybody with less than an 8.3 RAS score. Um, he would fall into that category definitely. But when you look at the edge defenders, man, they flew off the board this year when it comes to free agency. The best available right now is Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, J.J. Watt, which J.J. is retired. I don't know why he's on the list. Robert Quinn, uh, Yannick Inyakwe, uh, Inyake, I think is how you say his name, Jadavian Clowney. Um, you got uh, Matthew Leonidas, and you've got Ashawn Robinson on and on and on. I'm kind of just taking a quick glance here, and, yeah, that's pretty much how I see it. Okay, so they've got Bud Dupree listed as best, and Leonard Floyd second, Frank Clark third, and then Robert Quinn and Yake, Yake. Um Man, I, I tell you, Yannick's probably the one that grabs my attention. He's 27 years old, played for Indy last year. I don't know what he graded out. Some people have – 
kind of still got this crush on Jadavian Clowney, but any of those guys that you can get for a really good deal, you know, when you look at some of the guys that went, you know, Chase Winovich just signed a one-year deal for two million per, um, Cleveland Farrell two and a half million. I, I think two million is probably the mark we're at right now. So, would you be happy with one of those guys, either Yannick or Jadavion Clowney, for two million for for a prove it year with maybe some extra incentives? I think that would be a good way to bolster your edge position. You get in the draft and one falls, then that means. Uh, you know, Jonathan Garvin or Ladarius Hamilton doesn't make the roster, right? One of those two guys. And your team is better at an elite position, especially one where Rashawn Gary's recovering from a knee injury, which we, we've seen how that can be when it comes to, you know, what happened with Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Let's move on to corner. Uh, so, I'm sorry, to linebacker. So, at the edge position, I don't have a hole open, although we would take it because it's an elite position. I'm not going to list it as a quote-unquote need because Rashawn Gary will be back halfway through the year, and Igbari held his own. Um, it, you always draft best player available, but we're just kind of looking at the market and seeing what might be available. Um, cornerback, or I'm sorry, linebacker. You've got Devondre Campbell, a healthy Devondre Campbell. I'm so excited to have him back this year. <clears throat> You got Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie. You lost Chris Barnes to free agency. So you've got one spot open there. You've only got three linebackers, inside linebackers on your roster. Um, you're going to be looking to fill that. Do you do it in the draft? I don't. I, if you do, it's going to be later in the draft, right? But when you look at the linebacker market right now, um, you know, you've, you've got the Bears. They broke the bank for, uh, for Tremaine Ed, Edmonds, who got $18 million per. Uh, the Giants went out and got uh, Okurki, I think is how you say his name, $10 million per, on and on and on. When you slide down, though, where we're at right now, um, it looks like when it comes to inside linebackers, you got Zach Cunningham, Deion Jones. Both those guys are 28 years old. Bobby Wagner's drawing interest from the New England Patriots. He kind of surprised me, man. I thought he had a down year, and if I remember correctly, I checked PFF. He, he graded out phenomenally on PFF last year. Uh, with the L.A. Rams. So that's someone, you know, it's like, why not take a flyer on? But if he's drawing interest for a couple of different teams, I know one of which is the New England Patriots, then probably be hard to pry him away at a decent price. Um, when you go down the board here and just kind of look at what's available, though, man, that's probably where you're going to get your inside linebacker from, you know. Um, I mean, there's there's several players here that that I feel like would could cap off that fourth linebacker spot. The question is, can they uh, can they contribute on special teams? That's the big thing. But, man, there's some names here I would get excited about. I really would. Like, I'd love to see Deion Jones. Why not? You know, throw Deion Jones in that number four spot, give him a veteran minimum, whatever it is, $2 million. Like, Tay Davis just signed for $1.2 million. Raquan McMillan signed for $1.6. Mac Wilson signed for $1.6. Ezekiel Turner signed for $2 million. I mean, you could – pennies on the dollars there, man. You could right now be the time to swoop in and try to pick up one of them linebackers. All these are small signings that you can make to help fill out this roster. Uh, most of the time, Packers like to wait until after the draft, and then you kind of fill those holes as you need them. But um, moving on to the cornerback position. But when it comes to linebacker, one spot's open in my opinion. Cornerback, you got Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, Eric Stokes, Keyshawn Nixon. I'm so happy to see Keyshawn Nixon on this roster. I mean, it fires me up. Uh, Shamar Jean Charles, uh, Ennis Gaines, Keandre Thomas, and Benji Franklin. So you're loaded at corner. When I say loaded, I'm not suggesting that they're the best corners in the league. It's just you've got a thick roster there. And you've heard Joe Barry and the guys say we're going to start the best five when it comes to our nickel. Um, so that one of those corners may convert over to safety. Uh, now that you got Rudy Ford back, kind of feels like you're still open for a safety spot. But we'll talk about those in a second. As far as corner, though, I don't see there being an open spot there. It doesn't mean 
if someone who's a tier or two higher than where you're picking in the draft falls to you at the corner position, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers took a corner. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, at the safety position, you got Rudy Ford back. You got Darnell Savage. If um, if Savage doesn't play the slot, right? That's the big question. Um, then you got Vernon Scott, James Wiggins, Tariq Carpenter. Some people list Tariq Carpenter as a linebacker. I kind of feel like he's more of a safety. And then you got the new signing there, Tavarius Moore from San Francisco. As it sits right now, to me, with Eric Stokes healthy, it kind of feels like it would be Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage, and um, you would probably let uh, Tarverius Moore compete with Savage for that starting safety spot. And uh, Eric Stokes just showed so little last year, man. For me, I think what makes the most sense is to put Savage where he played best, which was in that slot corner position, and let Stokes be your dime back that keeps Keyshawn Nixon out of the – off the field pretty much the entire time when it comes to defense. He can primarily focus on returning kicks. Um, but now you've got a safety spot that's open if you do that, right? Not not that Darnell Savage would be a lights-out safety slam dunk. He should be the starting caliber. But that's just kind of how I see it. So they did bolster the safety position up a bit. Um, but I would still be looking for a safety, me personally. You don't technically need one, but I would list it as, yeah, you need a number two safety. I'm cool with Rudy Ford playing playing center field and playing free safety. Go get you a strong safety. And they're very interchangeable in this Vic Fangio-style uh, defense. It's two high shell, cover four look, cover six, cover three. Um, but that's kind of how I see that all playing out. Um, yeah, that's how the roster sits. So when we recap here, what do we got, guys? You basically need a number one receiver, a number one tight end, a number one kicker, and a number two safety. Okay. You also need actually a number one safety. You want to, when you, if you go get a safety in the draft, you want him to be better than Rudy Ford. If you take uh, Brian Branch in the first round, and some people are so against him because of his RAS and, and how he, he struggled a little bit at the combine. But if you go and get Brian Branch, he becomes your number one safety. Now you've you've kind of bolstered that safety position to the point where you – I don't want to say you turn it into a strength, but it's definitely not a weakness anymore, at least if you have a, a true first-round talent grade, uh, first-round grade on Brian Branch and you take him, right? Or if you go out and you get Adrian Amos, whatever it may be. But as it sits right now, I would say we need a number one safety. Also, we need a number three defensive lineman. You need a number four tight end and a number four linebacker. So if you tally those up, that's one, two, three, four starting caliber players, wide receiver, tight end, kicker, and safety. And then you need three backup caliber uh, players in, one being a defensive lineman, one being a linebacker, and one being a tight end. That's kind of how that looks to me as far as the roster layout. So just wanted to kind of do that exercise. Let's get an update. Okay, here's here's what we're looking at as far as the holes we've got to fill, had some good free agent signings. I'm really happy with the Rudy Ford signing. I don't think that could have worked out any better. Um, it, it's not like the the cap hit would be much higher if they had taken the approach that I was kind of screaming for during the season. That would have just ensured, okay, you've got him back. Um, the thing that really strikes me as odd, though, is the Darnell Savage, the, the fifth-year tender, man. Looking at this safety market, and granted, the safety market's been hot, but – I guess there's a chance that a team would have went after Savage and tried to sign him because they, you know, the Packers weren't the only team that had a first round talent grade on Darnell Savage coming out of the draft. And that's a lot of times that's how these uh, free agent databases are built. One of the top priorities to each club is to list their draft grade. Um, so 
when you kind of look at it from that perspective, again, though, would someone have offered $8 million to Darnell Savage? Because I just don't – I don't see that. I mean, as we wrap up here, I'm going to take one more glance. Who got more than $8 million? The only person was Jesse Bates. Von Bell got seven and a half. Juan Thornhill, seven. Donovan Wilson, seven. Jimmy Ward, six and a half. You could have probably let him test free agency and got Darnell Savage for probably $5 million. So, you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, you can't, you know, you can't sit here and harp on it. And and who knows, maybe Goody knew that there would be enough uh, enough teams pursuing him that it would be, you know, way more than $5 million. I personally don't see that, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand roster evaluation better than Brian Gutekunst, who's, in my opinion, done a pretty good job with the Packers. So, um, with that, guys, we're going to get out of here. I just want to check Twitter one more time, make sure we didn't miss anything. I don't believe we did. I like to check some of the big wigs and just make sure that nothing came down the pike. As we're getting ready to wrap up, that way you guys get the most up-to-date information when it comes to Packer football. Um, yeah, Rob Domofsky's tweeting out stuff about the Jets. Um, one more restructure from Russ Ball. That's Russell Douglas. They freed up another $3.3 million in cap space that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I mean, he's covering more other teams than the Packers, which is crazy. He's got a tweet posted up here about Alan Lazard signing with the Jets, and then he's got one about Bob Tunyon. It's like, you haven't even mentioned the free agents that have signed in Green Bay. I thought you were covering the Packers. What the heck's going on here? So um, I'm going to check Tom Pelissero one last time. Let's see here. Yeah, his last tweet was a couple hours ago. Rudy Ford returns to the Packers. One year up to $2.5 million. Great signing by Goody. Great work there. We're not done yet, though. we got to keep piecing this roster together. Obviously, we got to get the Aaron Rodgers thing handled, um, get that uh, as cleaned up as possible. Hopefully, we get some compensation. In my opinion, it ain't looking too good. They're pretty much at a stalemate. Now, the Packers aren't in any rush, to be honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if it carries over past the draft. Some of you just – your jaw just hit the floor. No, we want picks this year. I get it. But, guys, in my opinion, it's already been botched. Like, it's it's going to be hard to hold their feet to the fire, in my opinion. It really is. I, I don't – I feel like they made headway here lately. But if the let's, – let's try to read the tea leaves here before we go. The – there was rumors that came out the Packers were seeking multiple first-round picks, right? And then it broke that they were nowhere close to negotiation. Then they said they made a little bit of headway, right? So what does that mean? Does that mean the Packers have backed off now and they're saying a first this year and a second next year, right? Or does that mean, you know, that the Jets caved a little bit? Uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if we get a first-round pick this year, but if we do, I'm going to be jumping for joy. I hope it happens. Um you know, I, you guys know that I, I talked about Spoon, uh, 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 Silverstein, Silverstein, whatever, however you say his name, uh, that covers the Packers. And he's kind of one of the mouthpieces for Brian Gutekunst. He threw out there on that podcast with Cassidy Hill, said, you know, I, I see him getting a second this year and a conditional third next year. That, to me, if if that did come from Gutekunst, that's the narrative they want painted. He's trying to prep the Packer fans for, hey, it may just be a second-round pick. I'm not saying that's a slam dunk what Tom's doing. But it, it might be a good little gauge there. So with that being said, maybe we settle on a second-round pick. You know, whatever it is, for me, it's the cap hit. It could have been avoided. The whole thing could have been avoided. And just drives me absolutely insane. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is petty. There, there's no, uh, no doubt about that. It sounds like he came out of retirement because he found out the Packers were going behind and saying that, you know, basically shopping him after they said, you're either going to play here or you're going to retire. I think that they were hoping he would retire, and then 
when he went into the darkness, Richard, I don't mean to laugh, but when he went into the darkness, I think Goody got the guys together and said, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. He may call our bluff and show back up, and we're ready to move on with Jordan Love. It's just, man, it's it's also fascinating. It's like – and I don't mean fascinating and like this is great. It's just it, – it's probably will never happen again, although in 2008, Packer fans were probably – and anyone who done a podcast back then was probably saying this will never happen again, and here we are, so – Anyway, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Hope you all had an awesome Saturday afternoon. Thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. ...to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 50. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25, 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of the Belmont. Down the split end time. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. Into the game, Wayne punched the ball with a groin injury, didn't practice all week, but he just took it right up the gut through the heart of the Minnesota Viking coverage unit.